Thanks so much for joining us for the second week of our series, Heal. And we began last week with three surprising truths and three goals for the series. So the first surprising truth was that healing was core to Jesus' mission as the Messiah. It wasn't just some side hustle. No, it was healing was core to what Jesus did as the Messiah. Second... <clears throat> We said this, that healing requires toughness as well as tenderness. That may be the most shocking of all. And third, we said when it comes to healing, we do have to embrace mystery. Uh, there is a mystery to healing, and so that requires faith. And like all aspects of the Christian life, faith is required for healing. Then we talked about three goals for this series. We talked about one, just becoming more aware of what Jesus taught about healing or what the scriptures say about healing. Second, that we would be open to healing ourselves through the course of this Lenten season. And at the end of Mass today, uh, as in every week, we're going to have an opportunity for you to participate in your own healing. We're going to have our prayer teams come up forward, and you'll be able to pray with you. I'll share more with you about that after the, at the end of my message. And then third, we talked about God using us as instruments of healing. So today, as we move on, we're going to look at the origin of why we need healing in the first place, kind of the origin story. And by going back to the beginning, it'll help us to uncover how we can be healed and experience God's healing. So to do that, we're looking at the book of Genesis. And Genesis 2 tells us this. The Lord God formed man out of the clay of the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. And so man became a living being. So when God created the world, he creates the world by speaking it into existence. But here Genesis 2-7 is saying that when he created human beings, he gave extra special intimate care. Genesis describes it as God taking the, the, the dirt, the clay from the ground and forming human beings. And then he breathes into the nostrils of human beings to, to, to become alive. We see the intimacy with which God creates humanity. And so here's what's important for us to remember and to know, that you've been created by God in love. Love is the origin, origin and the destiny of your life. You were created out of love, and God's final destiny for you is to experience that love forever with him in heaven. The passage continues to say, again, to God's love and generosity. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, <clears throat> in the east, and placed there the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made various trees that were delightful to look at and good for food, with the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. <clears throat> so Genesis goes on to say again how good it is. God creates human beings out of his love, and then he creates the perfect environment. He creates Eden, paradise, and it describes this paradise. It was made of various trees, 
that were delightful to look at. There was, there was beauty, and they were good for food. It was nourishing to the soul. Right? Various trees, all these kinds of blessings and, that God wants to pour out on human beings. They represent that. And, and so when God had the world just as he wanted it to have it, everything was perfect. It was all good. There was no illness. There was no sickness. There was no disease. There was no country music. Sorry, I offended some of you. No taxes, no MBA, right? When, when God had it exactly as he wanted, all was good. And then Genesis continues to describe what's going on at the beginning. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may eat freely of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. From that you eat of it, you shall die. So when God had the world just as he wanted it, there was only one commandment. Don't eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And some people might be like, well, why did God create that tree to begin with then? Well, the tree symbolizes the fact that as creatures of free will, God has created us out of his love, and he wants us to love him back, but he gives us free will. And so we have the choice of whether to place God first and and to make him the center of our lives and to, to follow him, or not, to look to God for our happiness and well-being or to look for something else. The tree is a symbol, again, of our ability to choose something or anything other than God. And Genesis, to put something, anything other than God in center, at the center of our lives. And Genesis 3 now goes on to show the disastrous consequences of that decision, of putting something else at the center besides God. Now, <clears throat> Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the animals that the Lord God had made. The serpent asked the woman, did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? Now the serpent is the devil or the evil one. And you might not believe in the devil or you might struggle to believe in the devil. And, and here's what I would say to you is you, you probably believe in evil. It's e- easy to see evil around us and see the consequences of evil. Well, I don't think it's that much a stretch to believe there's a personality behind it. And, and notice what it says about evil. Most cunning of all the animals. Other translations say the most subtle. Evil is cunning. It's subtle. Evil very rarely presents itself as evil on its surface, right? It, 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 you know, because usually when we see that something's evil, so bold-faced, we just shrink back from it. We, we repel. But so evil often clothes itself in good. It has to be subtle. It has to be cunning for us to fall for it. And then Here's how the serpent, the evil one, is is so cunning. He said, did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? Now look at how he twists the words of God. God said don't eat of one tree, but the evil one's saying, did God say really you can't eat of any of these trees, these beautiful trees, and God says you can't have any of them? But he forms it in a question. He doesn't make a a bold, you know, doesn't say a bold-faced lie. He asks a question which which sows seeds of doubt in Eve. And look at this, we're told. The woman answered the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. It's only about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, You shall not eat it or even touch it lest you die. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? All right, it's okay if you didn't. I I heard this verse for years and never caught it. 
Did God say you couldn't touch the tree? No. He said you couldn't eat from the tree. He told Adam and Eve not to eat from the tree. But now Eve adds this little detail on. God said, oh, we can't even touch it. And you see what's happening here is she's so subtly, so much, just, just a little bit moving in the direction of the evil one. She's making an agreement with evil. And so much of the wounds and so much of the hurt in our world come as a result of us making some subtle agreements with evil that then become big, huge, gaping wounds. We can make a subtle agreement with the evil one when it comes to God. God doesn't love me. God's holding out on me. God isn't for me. God wants me to just to suffer. We can start to make agreements about ourselves. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I can't do anything right. I don't think anyone would ever want to have a relationship with me. I don't think anyone would want to be married to me. Right? We start this negative self-talk. One time I heard a preacher ask this question. It hit me between the eyes. He said, if you talk to others the way you talk to yourself, would you have any friends? And that just hit me between the eyes. I thought, no. I'm full of negative self-talk all the time. I tell myself all kinds of things I would never say to another human being. Right? And, and, and so we, we, we fill with this negative self-talk. We put ourselves down. We say things about ourselves that God doesn't say. And then we can make agreements about other people. You know, we start to say, she's always criticizing me. He never helps around the house. He's always thinking of himself. He's, he's, she's never thinking about me whatsoever. We start to, again, agree with the evil one about the people in our lives. He's a loser. He's a failure, right? We, we start putting them down in our minds. And, and here's a little sign you've made an agreement with, 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 with the evil one, all right? If you, always, if you start saying, I always, and it's followed by a negative, or he never, and it's followed by a positive, that's a good sign you started to make an agreement about yourself or someone else, or even God, with the evil one. And agreements, they're like log splitters. Right. Do you ever, I like, we have a big tree in our backyard, so sometimes, you know, big limbs will fall down, and uh, I, you know, I have an axe, I like to go in the, in the backyard and chop wood, it's fun, it's a hard, stressful day, it's the most cathartic thing in the world. And so, but what you do, if you've ever split wood, is you put a splitter in the middle of the log, and you, keep, you pound it, you pound it, you pound it until it breaks and splits apart. Well, that's what agreements with evil do. That, that as we keep agreeing and keep agreeing and keep, keep agreeing, it splinters apart our relationship with God and others and even ourselves. And so here's kind of like the main point of today or one of the major points of today is recognizing and breaking agreements with the enemy is the doorway to healing. As we recognize those solo agreements we've made with the enemy, It'll put us on the path or into the doorway of healing. Now, sometimes we get hurt, we get wounded, and then we make an agreement. We, we interpret that wound in the wrong way, and it starts leading us away from God. Sometimes we make the agreement, and then that leads to all kinds of wounds. And that's what happens in Genesis 3. Look what happens. We're told... 
But the serpent said to the woman, you will certainly not die. No, God knows well the moment you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like gods who know what is good and what is evil. So Eve opens the door just a little bit and watch the serpent pounce on that. The evil enemy pounces on that. He says, no, you will not die. God is holding out on you. The reason he doesn't want you to eat the forbidden fruit, the fruit from the, child, uh, the, fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil is because he's afraid you're going to become like him and he doesn't want that. He's selfish. So God's holding out on you, Eve. And now we see the gap widen. The woman saw that the tree was good for food, moving more in this evil one's direction. It was pleasing to the eyes, moving more in the evil one's directions. And it was desirable for gaining wisdom, moving more in the way of evil. And so she took some of the fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Now, if the serpent had been right, the next line would have read like this. And they ate the fruit and threw off the chains from God, and they lived happily ever after. Right? But that's not the world we live in, is it? We don't, we don't live in a world of, of, at least right now, of have, happily ever after. We live in a broken, fallen world. And we live in a broken, fallen world, and Genesis begins to describe the devastation, the devastation caused by original sin of eating the forbidden fruit. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were both naked, that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Before this, Genesis tells us that they were naked and unashamed. They were comfortable in their bodies. But now, they are no longer comfortable in their own bodies. As a result of sin, we're no longer comfortable in our own skin. As a result of sin, we need physical healing. And maybe that's the healing God's after for you in this series. God wants to heal your body from some illness or sickness or disease or injury. Or maybe he wants to heal your perception of your body. You have some body image issues and he wants to heal that. Or you're struggling that why God made you male or female and he wants to heal you of that. Or there's an addiction in your body. He, God wants to heal you from that. We need physical healing. But that's not all. Look at all the, the devastation as it continues. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Before, again, Adam and Eve, they were in God's presence and they enjoyed it. Now they run and hide. So maybe the healing you need from this series is your relationship with God. You run from God. Listening to a, a Christian author I respect and a podcast he had, and he talked about being kind of on a three-day retreat and he was struggling, kind of wrestling with why it wasn't going well. And he heard from God at one point. He's like, God, what are you after? And God's like, I want to know why you, I want to help you deal with why you hate me. Why you're angry at me. Maybe you have some anger with God and God's saying, I want to heal that, this Lent. And there's more devastation though we see. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So now human beings for the first time experience fear. And that could be what God wants to heal you from. There, there's some mental anguish or things you're experiencing, fear or anxiety or worry that, that almost cling to you. 
You don't just have the experience, but it clings to you. And God says, I, I want to break that power in your life, this land. I want you to experience the healing power of not having to live with that fear or worry or anxiety. Then we see the final devastation caused. We're told, God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you not to eat? Then Adam said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. So in other words, Adam's like, it's your fault, God. You created her and it's her fault. She gave it to me. Not my fault. Right? And so we see the need for healing of our relationships. Before the fall, when God creates Eve, Adam says, ah, at last there's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He realizes how deep his need is for this companionship. And now he's throwing her under the bus. And maybe what God wants to heal for in this Lenten season for you is your relationship. Maybe you feel like you have to be all alone. And God's saying, no, I have some people for you, but I want to heal that, 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 that thing in you that thinks you're supposed to be alone. Or maybe there was a relationship that was once so life-giving, and God wants to heal it. He wants to heal your marriage. He wants to heal that friendship. He wants to heal that relationship with your sibling or a parent or a child that's gone wrong. We call this, you know, the story of the fall or the story of original sin, but it also can be called the story of the original wound because this is the first wound, and it has devastating effects that we still feel today, that we, are, that we experience every single day. And in one sense, it's not our fault. You know, it's not our fault. You were created to live in a world of perfect love, that's the world God created, and that's the world God will create forever in eternity. You were created to live in a world of perfect love, but you don't live in that world. You live in a broken world, and it's not entirely your fault. It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility to deal with the wounds and the hurts that come from this broken world. And the key to start our healing is simply to be turning back to God. And it's funny, right? Isn't it? I mean, we, have, we can experience wounds. We can get hurt. Our ego can get hurt. Our pride can get wounded. We can get physically hurt. You know, we can experience, you know, mental pain or whatever. And for whatever reason, we just don't think to turn back to God. We, we turn to other things. And certainly good things like medical care and, and counseling and, and, friend, and conversation with friends. But for whatever reason, there's something in us that doesn't want to turn back to God and, and, and bring God into it. But just as the original wound came from turning away from God and putting something else at the center of our lives, it's in turning back to God in prayer, turning back to God, recalibrating in, along the truth of his love, remembering his love, that will begin the process of our healing. That as we come back to God and remember his love, God puts us on the path to healing. That's what Brooke, that's what Brooke and Derek discovered. I had just found out that I was pregnant and I went in for an early sonogram and immediately knew that something was amiss. They 
found a mass on my right ovary, it turned out, and they immediately sent me to GYN Oncology. I ended up having a beautiful, healthy baby girl, and um, a few weeks after um, my the birth of our daughter, I went in for a follow-up, and they said that the cancer had spread. Um, but I felt like I was in great hands, and I was, you know, healing was happening. And I think I had like a week left of treatment, and my tumor markers were rising. And it was like not, um, there was no explanation. Like the, I mean, they had tested like three times and um, and my tumor markers can, like they were rising. And it appeared that it wasn't working. It appeared that I was um, like, we were at the end of this and um, I there wasn't, hope for me at that point. When Brooke was sick, um, I found myself at a point where um, there, 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 there was like nothing left but surrender. I'm thinking, here's my wife I love so much um, that I might lose. I have these three girls. And I just remember surrendering, like, I need help. Like, I, like, I don't know how this all works out. And I just remember surrendering to God, to, to, to Jesus in that moment. And, um, and it's not as if everything makes sense, but, um, but in retrospect, that was the beginning of things in, in my life, I would think Brooke would agree, in our lives making a lot more sense. That night, we went to bed, and I just laid in bed, and I prayed, and I surrendered in that moment, and I like fell asleep peacefully. The next morning when I woke up, I went in and my nurse, you know, was like, knew how worried I was. And she um, did the tumor marker test right away. And I waited to get the results back. And my tumor marker test was completely normal. And I just remember like, sitting in the Berman Cancer Institute at GVMC and thinking, like, I know who this is. God is good and he loves us. Sometimes it's hard to make sense of things and I think that's a real thing about, you know, surrender and, and, and fear and suffering and all these things that we have. I can't make sense of the, the cancer part of it, but what I can make sense of is where the Lord was in it and the blessings that have poured out since then. God is good and he loves us. 
That's why we come to him when we are in need of healing. So in just a moment, I'm going to close this out in prayer. And if you want to stick, uh, if you want to the end, mark the end of our, our worship, so if uh, you want to go, you can just leave at that point. But if you want prayer, want to come forward. And, you know, sometimes it can be hard for us to pray by ourselves. We don't know what to pray. And so our healing, healing prayer team is here to, to pr- listen to you and to pray with you and to help you seek God uh, in this moment. So I invite you now to stand, and we'll, we'll pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so good, that you love us, and that we have been created by you in love, for love. That love is, is our origin, and it's our destiny. But God, we just do admit, you know, we acknowledge right now, we do live in a broken world. We have hurts, we have wounds, and so God, and sometimes in our pride, we don't turn to you. But just in this moment, God, we return to you to bring healing to us. Whatever healing we need, right now, today, and through this Lenten series. And God, just help us to acknowledge any of the times, maybe, or, or to recognize any of the ways which we've, we've made these agreements that we didn't mean to do. It was subtle, but which we've started to agree with our enemy about what he says about us. God, we pray, help us recognize, repent, return back to you, and to agree with what you say about us, Lord, what you say about yourself, what you say about the people in our lives. Help us to see from your perspective that you may come into our hearts, into our lives, and that we might be healed. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single video. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples by sharing this video. We're grateful you're part of this community.